know that anytime we just sing praises to the Lord, it's a sweet, sweet sound in his ear. There's nothing that God loves to hear more than his people singing praises unto him. Amen. And I'm glad you've taken the opportunity to come into his house tonight. You've rearranged your schedule or did whatever you had to do to come into the presence of the Lord. And I promise you that whenever you do that, God's ready to meet with you. God's ready to bless you. God has a word for us tonight. So it's just good to see you all in the house of the Lord. How many of you have already been blessed by the prayers that have gone up last week, by the spiritual disciplines that we put into practice? And I want you to know, church, not to tarry on this, but I hope that that same spirit of prayer continues. You know, God doesn't want us to just get together and dedicate ourselves to prayer for one week out of the year. He wants that same spirit to carry on each and every day of our lives. So I pray that you've been strengthened and challenged to do that, to just delve deeper into that place of prayer that you can just experience God in a greater way. Amen. Before we move on, like always, we're going to pray one more time. Just ask that the Holy Spirit be here to anoint me and to anoint you, that we might receive everything that he has for us. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to just come and worship you and not just worship you, Father God, and speak to you, but also to hear from you as well. And God, we are able to do that through your word. And I pray tonight, God, that you would just take me out of the way. I pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit would rest upon me, quicken my body, my mind, my spirit, that I would be able to bring forth with clarity and anointing, Father God, and revelation, everything that you have sown into my spirit. I pray, God, that your word would not return void this evening, but that it would accomplish its purpose in the lives of every single listener here tonight. Open up ears to hear, hearts to listen. Give us the courage to respond and live out, Father God, the words that you have spoken to us tonight because you've called us to be not just hearers of your word, but doers as well. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. Come against every hindering spirit, anything that would try to distract us from receiving, Lord God, the busyness, the heartaches, the the struggles of the day. Settle our spirits and settle our souls and our minds, God, that we might receive your word with gladness. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Just to recap, as you can see, uh, we're in our series on the seven ups of Christianity. You can go to the next slide so we can real quick see the seven things that we have either looked at or going to look at over the next few weeks. But just to recap, so far what we have looked at is how we as today's Christians or we as today's church, we as the sons and daughters of the Most High God Church have been called to wake up. How we've been called to shake off the spiritual slumber that can so easily fall fall upon our souls and just shake off that slumber and arise to the call of righteousness. We've been called to arise to the call of godliness and holiness and to the call of advancing the kingdom of God in our lives. I've said it before. I've probably said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. Every single one of us, whether we're up on the pulpit or sitting in the pews, we have been called to rise up and advance the kingdom of God in our lives. Might be in your house, might be in your neighborhood, might be in your workplace, might be to a stranger, but we have been called to advance the kingdom of God and we have to wake up to that call. We've also looked at the need for us to shape up church, for us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, to exercise our soul and to come into proper spiritual condition so that we can run the race that's been set before us, so that we can run with endurance, so that we can run without quitting, so that we can fight the fight of faith, so that we can keep the faith and so that we can just continue to be everything that God's called us to be. And in order to do that, we've got to shape up. We've got to remember that those that are out of shape cannot win the prize because those individuals that are spiritually out of shape won't endure. They're not going to be able to get up those difficult mountains. They're not going to be able to make it through the the desert. But we've got to condition ourselves spiritually so that whatever this world might bring, no matter what the devil might bring, no matter what the Lord will allow us to have to go through in our lives, we have to be in proper spiritual shape so that we might win the prize. Amen. Paul said, run in such a way that you might win. And those that are out of shape in their spirit, those who have no spiritual discipline cannot win, cannot win the prize, cannot receive the things that God has for us. So we must shape up. Last week when we were in the midst of prayer and fasting, I kind of flip-flopped number three and four simply because of the week of prayer and fasting. But last week we talked about praying up church and how prayer is the key to connecting to the power of God. And how many of you know that prayer is the key to connecting to the power of heaven? 
Prayer is the key to releasing the power and the promises and the anointing and the healing power of God into our lives. We learned that we must pray up because when we pray up, it causes the the, the, the power of the kingdom to come down into our lives. It causes the blessings of God to come down into our lives. So how many of you want the power of God to come down into your life? Amen. You want the power of God in your marriage. You want the power of God in your body or in your finances. I don't think there's a single area in any one of our lives where we don't want the power of God moving. I want the power of God moving in my son's life and my daughter's life and my, my wife's life and in my finance, every area of my life. I want the power of God running through my mind so that the devil can't uh, take control of my thought process. And so in order to do that, church, we've got to pray up. We need to understand that even though physically, physically, you and I may not be able to touch God physically, you and I might not be able to reach up into the clouds and grab a hold of God. But I want you to understand through the power of prayer, we have the ability spiritually to reach up into the throne room of God's grace so that we might find help in our time of need spiritually through prayer. We have the ability to touch the hem of God's garment like the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus's garment and the power of God came forth. That is the power of prayer. And it's why God's people need to pray up. This is part of the process of us being able to advance the kingdom of God. So I say all that to say that if you want to live above temptation, if you want to live above the trials and the tribulations of life, if you want to live above mediocrity and complacency and compromise, if you want to live above the lies of the devil, and if you want to live above the, the condemnation of man, if you want to find yourself seated in heavenly places, then you and I need to learn to pray up. Because that's what allows all those things to happen in our lives. Now, after we wake up and after we shape up, and, and like I said, we flip-flop uh, after we clean up, then really we should pray up. And I, w- I want to make that clear because I didn't get a chance to last week, but we did during our time of prayer and fasting. How many of you know that in order for, uh, for God to hear our prayers, we, mu- we must be clean? In order for us to come before God with our petitions, our soul has to be sanctified. Our soul has to be washed. And I don't want you to get the misunderstanding. Yes, we can go to God in prayer anytime. But I want you to understand that in all reality, that we have to clean up before we really try to pray up. We've got to clean up some areas of our life in order for the power of God to come down. We need to clean up before we come into the presence of God and try to put petitions before a pure and holy God. And so I want us to understand that not that I this is really out of order, but I brought pray up last week because it was the the week of prayer and fasting and I felt it was appropriate to bring it. But this week we're going to look at cleanup because I believe with all of my heart, church, that in today's generation, in today's society, the church, the church of God, not the denomination, not South Metro Ministries, but the church of God as a whole and God's people need to clean up. I believe, church, that God is calling us to clean up several areas of our lives. I believe we need to clean up our speech. I believe we as God's people need to clean up our thoughts. I believe as God's people, righteous people, we need to clean up our households. I believe as God's people, we need to clean up some of the relationships that we have allowed to be established in our lives. I believe that as God's people, we've got to clean up our attitudes because the Word of God tells us that we should have the same attitude of Christ. And if the things of this world begin to get a hold of our lives and begin to affect our attitudes, guess what? We cannot have the same attitude of Christ. So there's plenty of areas in our life that we're going to look at this evening that need to be cleaned up. And I want you to understand that I'm not talking about a physical cleaning. I'm not talking about you going home at the end of the day after you've been, you know, thrust out here into a world filled with iniquity and purity and think you can turn on the shower and wash off the filth of the world. I'm not talking about a physical bath where you let just water wash over you and think, okay, I'm good now. What I'm talking about is an internal cleansing and cleaning by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about, church, is a is the holy fire of God purifying you and me from the inside out so that we can stand before God clean. You see, there's no soap that you can go by that can wash away your sin. It can only be washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no soap that you can buy go buy off of a supermarket shelf that has the ability to 
that'll wash you and cause you to be able to stand rightly before God. It's why God calls us to clean up. We're going to look at how we can do that, church. But the church, I believe with all of my heart, needs a spiritual cleansing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 26, first clean the inside of your cup and then the outside will become clean also. You see, there's a lot of people that think they can just go do a lot of good things and that will make them good on the inside. It doesn't work that way. We've got to allow the inside of our soul to become clean first. And when we allow the purifying fire of God to get a hold of the inside of our soul, when we allow the word of God and the spirit of God and the power of God to cleanse us on the inside, guess what? Everything about us is going to become clean as well. Your speech will become clean and your thoughts will become clean and your attitudes and your actions and your life will become clean as well. But we've got to clean up the inside. When Jesus said this, he was speaking to the Pharisees who thought all their ritualistic cleansing was enough to make them uh, right before the Lord. But Jesus said no, because the same individuals that thought it was enough to wash their hands 15 times a day, the same individuals that thought it was enough to just put on a white robe and look all clean, those same individuals Jesus called whitewashed sepulchers. He said on the outside you look all clean, on the outside you're doing all these things that appear to make you clean, but on the inside you stink, on the inside you're rotten, and the inside there's nothing but death. This is why he said, look, first you've got to focus on the inside. You got to clean the inside and then everything about your life will become clean as well. And this is what God is calling us to do this evening, church. He, the, the Holy Spirit w- wants to do a work inside of our soul each and every day. He wants to purify us and cleanse us so that we can become a right reflection of the Father. The number one reason that I believe we need to clean up, church, is because Ephesians 5.27 tells us that God expects to present us, the church, to Jesus Christ, who is the groom, as a radiant church. It says that he expects to present the church a church without stain, a church without spot, a church without any wrinkle or any other blemish. What you and I need to realize is that God, Almighty God, Holy God, expects to present us, the church, us, his sons and daughters to Jesus Christ, blameless and holy, the Bible says, without spot and without wrinkle. And for that to happen, we've got to clean up. For us to be ready for the bridegroom, for us to be ready for Jesus Christ, for us to be ready for the coming of the Lord, there needs to be a cleansing that takes place inside of our soul. We have to remember, church, that we are the bride of Christ, and he, Jesus, is the groom that is coming for a bride that is without blemish. He's coming for a bride whose garments are pure and garments are clean. He's coming for a bride that is watching and waiting and ready for the coming of the groom. He's looking looking for a bride that is dressed in white. He's looking for a bride that is unstained by the impurities of the world and the things of this world so that we can be married to Jesus Christ. We need to understand that God does not want to present an impure bride to a whole, to his holy son. You, you understand the process in a wedding. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? There is an exchange and Jesus or God doesn't want to give his son to an impure bride. And so what we must do, we must be ready to be offered to Jesus Christ. We are the bride and he is the bridegroom. The main reason Jesus, you all know the story about how Jesus went and cleansed the temple If you do know, he actually cleansed it twice because I guess they didn't learn the lesson the first time. I guess he wasn't tough enough on them the first time, so Jesus had to cleanse the temple two times. I don't know how many of the people were there were the same as the first time, but I'll bet you there were some people there the second time who Jesus had to drive out from the first time. Didn't learn their lesson. I hope that's never us. I hope that when God comes and wants to do a work in our life, we, we listen and we obey and we let him do what he needs to do. But anyway, one of the main reasons I believe Jesus was angered at the money changers, the people who were buying and the people who were selling in the temple, is because they were buying and selling unclean animals. They were buying and selling cheap sacrifices. They were buying and selling lambs and goats and all those things that had blemishes, those things that had scars, those things, I call them cheap sacrifices, but they were buying and selling blemished offerings that were to be sacrificed to a holy and a righteous God. 
And yet they were offering those things that were blemished. They were offering those things that were unclean. And Jesus cleansed the temple because all those things that were being offered, listen, they were unacceptable. They were unacceptable to God. And we need to realize in the same exact way the Word of God tells us that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. To be holy and acceptable, you and I need to be clean. To be holy and acceptable, we must have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. To be holy and acceptable, we cannot be stained by the things of this world. And we need to realize that when we come into the presence of God, we need to present ourselves clean. We need to present ourselves holy. We need to present ourselves righteous. The Word of God says, Be ye holy as I am holy. Without, for without holiness we shall not see the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to see the kingdom of God. God, in order for me to be received by my Father and, and enjoy uh, His heavenly kingdom, I, I believe the Word of God tells me I've got to be clean, I've got to be pure, I've got to be righteous, and I've got to be holy. And of course, it's through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. But we need to understand in the same way, I believe, church, in the same way that Jesus was angry with those that were in the temple, those individuals that turned a house of prayer into a den of thieves, the Bible said, because they were robbing God of His glory. And every time we come into the presence of God unclean, guess what? We are robbing God of His glory. We are robbing God of what is rightfully His. We are robbing God of everything that He deserves when you and I try to come into His presence unclean and impure without repentance. But for the same reason Jesus was angry with those that were in the temple, I believe God is angry with the church today. Because we too are presenting ourselves to Him unholy. We too are presenting ourselves to Him unacceptable. Because we who are supposed to be presenting ourselves to Him holy and acceptable, pure and righteous, are offering ourselves to Him unclean. So often we come into the presence of the Lord stained by the things of the world and we don't even, uh, uh, we don't even question it or we don't even take the opportunity a lot of times to make sure those things are right inside of our soul before we come into the presence of the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart it's why God says we need a spiritual cleansing. It's why the church needs a spiritual cleansing. We have to clean up church because this world has the power to stain us. And I believe it has. We have to clean up because this world has the power to make us unclean and make us impure and make us unholy. And I believe this world has done that to the church. I believe that God calls us to clean ourselves up because this world has a way of putting filth in our mouth and putting filth in our minds and putting filth in our, in our thoughts and putting filth in our faith even, church, and in our hearts. This world has the power to contaminate us. It has the power to corrupt us. And I believe it has. I believe even the house of God. I believe even the people of God have been corrupted by the things of this world. And it's exactly why Paul said, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like this world in any way, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the good and acceptable will of the Father. We've got to be clean, church. We've got to allow the power of God to come and cleanse us and make us right before Him. The sin of this world, I believe, has even made its way into the house of God. You know as well as I do that the sin of this world has even made it behind, I'm not saying this pulpit, but the sin of this world has made its way behind the pulpit of even churches. Throughout the denominations, throughout all denominations, there's no denomination that's exempt from allowing the sin of this world and the filthiness of this world to make its way into the church. And I believe the same sin that's out there has made its way even into the house of God. And for some reason, it sits comfortably even in the pews. The things, and I've taught this and talked about it before, but the things that used to make God's people blush and the sins that used to make people blush, the Word of God tells us there's coming a time, there's coming a generation where the, even the people of God won't blush over their sins. They won't blush over the things that they're bringing into the house of God. They come into the house of God and they don't feel guilty. They come into the house of God stained and, and filled with the compromise and the things of this world. And for some reason, their heart's not even grieved. The Bible says those times are coming. And I believe those times have come upon us. And I believe it's why the Lord says that we are to clean up church. 
We should be grieved at the fact that sin has made its way into the sanctuary of God. I think we have forgotten sometimes that this is not our house. This is not some playhouse. This is not some country club. This is the house of God. This is the sanctuary of God. And the sanctuary, the word sanctuary comes from the word sanctify, which means that we are to be set apart for God's holy use. You and I need to understand that the sanctuary of God is to be set apart for His holy anointing. It is supposed to be set apart for His holy presence. It is to be set apart for His holy power. It is to be set apart for His holy word. It is to be set apart for His holiness in the house of God. And yet so casually we stroll into the house of God with sin under the carpet of our soul. So casually we stroll into the house of God like it doesn't disturb God like it doesn't grieve God, like it doesn't disappoint God when our lives are filled with sin and compromise and mediocrity and complacency and lukewarmness and we stroll into the house of God like it's a friend's house instead of the house of God. You and I must understand that this is holy ground. This is God's house. This is His house. And we are His sons and daughters. And the Bible tells us that when we come into His house, we are to guard every step that we take when we enter into the house of God. You know what happened when man in the Old Testament used to touch the holy ark of the covenant? They would drop dead because they were unclean. We need to have that kind of awe that when we come into the house of God, when we come into the presence of God, that we dare not reach out and try to touch a holy God with sin on our hands and sin in our heart. We we forget who God is sometimes. It's like Moses spent his life out there caring for, for sheep. He he stunk like sheep and smelled like sheep, had dirt on his hands. And one day when he was tending to sheep, you know the story, I'm not going to preach it. But he was wandering through the desert and all of a sudden he saw a glowing bush and he walked up to it. Look, it was it was it was the presence of the Lord. But understand me, before God revealed who he was, listen to me, before revelation came forth, before direction came forth, before the power and the anointing of God came upon Moses, God spoke these words, remove the sandals from your feet. Moses, because you're standing on holy ground. And what you and I need to understand that when we come into the house of God, when we come into the presence of God, I'm not talking about literal shoes, but we got to take the sin off of our feet. We got to take the sandals off of our soul so that there's nothing standing between us and God. Amen. The sandals represented death. Sandals represent, you know, it, it was it was a dead skin of a dead animal. And God was saying, look, this is holy ground and nothing unholy, nothing unclean is going to step into my presence. And Moses, if you want my anointing, Moses, if you want my direction, Moses, if you want my revelation, Moses, if you want my power, Moses... Moses, Moses, if I'm going to use you, you first got to get that sandal off your feet. Listen to me. So often we cry to God, God, I need direction. Oh, God, I need help. Oh, God, I need your power. Oh, God, I need your revelation. Oh, God. And we got sin on the sandals of our soul. And God's saying, look. Get the sandals off. Get the sin out. Get yourself cleaned up. And then you watch how I pour down my glory. Watch how I pour down my power. Watch how I pour down my anointing. Watch how I use a man that that, 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 that can't even talk straight. Moses stuttered. And yet he poured out his power and he set the, 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 the Israelites free. Listen, look at what God can do with an individual that's willing to clean up can do anything set his people free and listen 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 we are the modern day moses we have been called to set the captives free and we can't do it unless we wake up we can't do it unless we shape up we can't do it unless we clean up and we can't do it unless we pray up 
Moses did all those things. And yet we wonder why God's not moving on our behalf, church. Because we have forgot that this is holy ground. We have forgot that He is an almighty God that has called His sons and daughters to be clean and pure before Him. The almighty God is telling us that, church. Not me. Almighty God has said, it's time to be clean. So, Paul... In 2 Corinthians 6.17, says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no one clean thing, and I will receive you. He says, Touch no one clean thing, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty God. Listen, there are so many of us that feel estranged from God. He is our Father which is in heaven, but so many of us feel estranged from the Father. So many of us in the household of God feel disconnected from the Father, like He's not listening, like He's not hearing, like He's a million miles away. And one of the main reasons that's the case is because we're touching the unclean things. It's because we're out in there, out in the world, satisfying the lust of the flesh and the the lust of our eyes and touching the things that God said, don't touch. I don't want those things part of your life. I don't want those things named among you. And we're out there touching all of these things. And we wonder why we're estranged from the Father. We wonder why our prayers seem to go whoop. Don't go anywhere. Because we have not cleansed ourselves. Because we're trying to stand before a holy God with unrighteousness residing in our soul. It doesn't work. Listen, and it doesn't even have to be vile, gross sin. Any form of disobedience is sin. We must remember that, church. Disobedience birthed every sin that there was. The very first sin was simply Adam and Eve disobeying God. Not doing what He told them to do. And doing the very thing He told them not to do. So don't think disobedience is some light little thing that God's going to overlook. It is the mother of all sins because it gives birth to every other sin. So if you've got any ounce of disobedience, God's been speaking to you to do something. God's been speaking to you to forgive somebody. God's been speaking to you to do this or do that or stop doing this and stop doing that. And you brush it off like disobedience is no big thing. And then you wonder why you're estranged from God. Why it feels like the Father's not receiving you. Why it feels like the Father's arms aren't around you. Why it feels like He's a million miles away. Because we're not listening to our Daddy. We're not listening to our Father because we're in rebellion. We've allowed something to come between us and our Father. It's time to clean us, clean ourselves up. Second Timothy 2.20, church. Paul again is speaking to Timothy. And he reminds Timothy, he says, Now in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. Some vessels are used for honorable purposes and noble purposes, and some for dishonorable purposes. And he goes on to say, but the man, the individual, the woman, the man, whoever it is, that is willing to separate themselves from the contaminating influences of this world, those individuals will be sanctified, the Word says. Those individuals will be profitable to the Master. Those individuals will be fit and ready for every good work. I want you to know that Moses sanctified himself, and he was ready for every good work. I want you to know every individual that's recorded in Hebrews in the Hall of Faith, they sanctified themselves, and they were fit and ready for every good work. They touched no unclean thing. They came out from among them. I don't know about you church but I want to be a vessel of honor I don't know about you but I want to be a vessel of glory I don't know about you but I want to be a vessel that is able to hold the power of God and the anointing of God I want to be a vessel that is used for the good work of the kingdom of God I want to be ready instant in season and in out I want to be ready to pray for somebody lay hands on somebody I want to be ready for the power of God to flow through my life I want to be fit And ready for every good work. And the only way that will happen is if I clean up. If I clean up. Listen, every time I come out here to preach on a Wednesday night, i got to spend part of my day in my office cleaning up my soul. 
I got to empty myself before the Lord and say, search me, O God, reveal. I don't want anything standing in the way of your anointing. I pray it when I get out here as well. We all must do the same thing. You are a preacher to somebody. You are a mouthpiece to somebody. You are an oracle of the living God to somebody, church. And the word of God makes it clear that in order for us to be that, we must clean up. We must clean up. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was expected to come to dinner to the dinner table clean. I know some of you the very same thing. When I was a kid, I was expected to come to the dinner table clean. I was told to clean up before I could sit down. I was told to wash up before I could eat up. Uh, If I expected to receive anything from the table, then I had to be clean. I wasn't fed until I was cleaned up. And so often, you know, look, it's just the way it is when you're kids. You're busy out there playing, dirty as can be, out there playing war, out there playing whatever, playing in the woods, playing in the mud, playing in the dirt. And the only thing that you got on your mind is to eat and run, eat and run, get in, get out. I don't got time to clean up. I don't got time to wash up because I'm just going right back out to play anyway. Think about it, church. I'm trying to make a spiritual analogy. Sometimes we do the same exact thing, playing out there in the world all week long. Well, God, I'm just going right back out, running on Monday, mo- running on Sunday morning, eat, eat, eat real quick. But, but God can't stay. I'm running right back out to play anyway. It's exactly like we are. When I was a kid, that's all I had on my mind. Just want to go back out and play. Don't care how dirty I get. Just want to have fun. Just want to play. The, the meal was secondary to me. I only ate to make my mom and dad happy. Sometimes, yeah, I was hungry. Sometimes after a long, hard day's work, I wanted to eat and so did you. But you know exactly what I'm saying. Got our mind in the wrong place. God is saying, look, if you want to sit at my table, you got to come clean. God is saying, our father is saying, he's not a stranger. He's our father. Just like my dad said, son, go clean up. God is saying, son, go clean up. If you want to receive from me, if you want to receive from my banqueting table, if you want to eat, if you want to taste and see how good I am, go clean up, go wash up. And he would point out the things in the areas of my life where I need to let the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word and the power of the blood cleanse me and make me well so I can sit down and dine with the Father. Amen? How many of you want to dine with the Father? How many of you want to sit down at that banqueting table and enjoy everything that God has for us? Well, then listen, God has expectations of his children and he expects you and me to come to the table clean. He expects us to come with clean hands and a pure heart, the word of God tells us. But so often we rush to the table unclean. We don't take the time and we don't make the effort to clean up. We don't take the time or the effort to make ourselves presentable to God. We come unacceptable instead. Listen, it is a process that we must learn to go through. When we come to the house of God, and it's not just the house of God, when we enter into the Word of God, this is the presence of God, church. When we go into our prayer clause, wherever it is where we try to connect with God, we've got to make sure we come to the table clean. Before you read the Word of God, if you want to receive the 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 rhema word, the word that comes to life in your life, if you want to receive true revelation, before you go to the word of God, you should pray. God, cleanse me. Purify me. Examine me. See if there's anything that will, that will prevent me from receiving from your word. Some of us struggle with the word because we've never asked God to clean us up. Because we've never asked him to clean up our minds so that we can understand. We've gone through hell all week long and the devil's just attacking our mind. And we've yet to stop and say, God, purify my mind because the devil is just taking over. I need you to purify my mind so that I can receive your words and your truth in my life. Listen, it's any area where you try to approach God, we've got to be clean. Amen? We've got to come to the table clean. Table of the Lord is reserved for the righteous. I believe with all of my heart that the table of the Lord is reserved for the righteous. Just like you come into the house of God, <clears throat> or you go into, if you're like me, sometimes you want front row seat and you walk in and you see reserve signs. And I'm like, who's that reserved for? You know, we want to move the little thing. We want to sit where someone else has earned the right to sit there. You see what I'm saying? 
We want to take someone's seat when we don't deserve to sit there. And in the kingdom of God, we're doing the same thing. The, 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 the seats at the table are reserved for the righteous. And we can't come in and move the rope and think we can just sit down in someone else's seat and receive what was meant for them. We can't. Ooh, I'm a big somebody. I'm sitting in a reserved seat. Yeah, you wait until the reward comes around. You get nothing. Because they know that you're not supposed to be sitting there. And somewhere along the way, they're going to come and ask you to move. And instead of getting, you know, instead of saying, yeah, you're right. I don't deserve to sit here. Somebody else has been granted the right to sit here. We get an attitude. Oh, why can they sit there? Not me. How why, 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 why? You know, an attitude that we get. And we get the same thing with God. We have to earn the right to sit at his table. It starts with the blood of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Can't earn it on your own. It's a free gift of God. It's not by works that we're saved, but it's grace. Lest any man should boast. But there is a process we must go through in order to stay clean and receive the prize that we want. It's going to look at as we go. I've got a few more minutes to go. But listen. Psalm 24, 3 to 4. David asks these questions. He says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? What David was asking, church, is who is it that can be seated in heavenly places? Who is it that's allowed to sit in those reserved seats? Who is it that's allowed to sit at his banqueting table? Who is it that gets to come into his presence? Who is it that may enter into the sanctuary or the dwelling place of the Lord? And he answers it in verse 4 and says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Again, church, I want you to understand that the table of the Lord is reserved for the righteous. Anyone can sit there. Anyone can sit there as long as they are right before the Lord. As long as they have pled the blood of Jesus Christ and as long as they have done the things that we're going to look at as I begin to close in just a few minutes. Listen, church, we got to stop coming to the dinner table dirty. So often we come to the, into the presence of the Lord with impurity and without repentance. You see, it's one thing to come before the Lord with impurity along with repentance because it's exactly what God calls us to do. It's one thing to come into the presence of the Lord like the publican who went into the temple one day to pray because when he walked into the temple, he knew he was bringing sin. He knew he was bringing impurity. He knew he was bringing in unrighteousness into the presence of a holy God. And it's why as soon as he stepped in, he, he didn't even feel worthy to walk towards the front. He stood in the back of the room, the Bible says, and he bent his knee And he cried out, have mercy on me, O God, for I'm a sinner. He came with sin. He brought his sin, but he came with repentance. That's what we need to learn to do. We need to learn to come into the presence of God. Yes, bring your sin into the presence of God, but bring it with repentance. Bring it with a broken and a contrite heart over the things that grieve God. Because the Word of God tells us that a broken and a contrite heart, God in no way will ever cast aside. Listen, this man that came into the presence of God filled with sin, yet filled with repentance, the Bible says he was justified. It was just as if he had never sinned. You know that's what justified means. Just as if you'd never sinned. This man came in filled with sin. But his heart was filled with repentance. And when he walked out, it was just as if he'd never sinned. But the holy righteous Pharisee that came in with hands washed, that came in with a regal white robe, thought he was all righteous on his own, he went away unjustified. He went away guilty. Because he was not willing to let the power of God cleanse the inside like this humbled, broken publican was that said, I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's watching. I need to touch God. And the only way I'm going to do that is me repent of my sins in a spirit of repentance. And this is what God is calling us to do, church. We need to clean up real quick in just the the last few minutes that I have. One of the main areas that I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to focus on was the fact that we need to clean up our speech. Ephesians, listen, and I'm not just talking about cursing. 
But we have to clean up our speech. Ephesians 4.29, it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. It means let no unclean, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only those words which are good for edification for the need of the moment. You see, what that's telling me is that every moment of the day, there is a need that will come across my path where I should be ready to minister edifying words to that need. My mouth and the words that come out of my mouth should be able to meet a need. It goes on also to talk, so you understand what it says. It goes on to says that it may meet, so that it may edify according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And I say all that so that you and I understand that our lips are to be carrying the grace of God. Our lips are to be carrying the grace of God out into this world and anyone that we come, come in contact with. Our lips are not to be carrying unwholesomeness. Our lips are not to be carrying curses. Our lips are not be, to be carrying any vulgarities. Our lips are not to be carrying anything that sounds like the world or is a reflection of the world. Our lips, our mouths are to be an oracle of God. Our lips are to be carrying the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ. Our lips, church, are to be used to, to build up and not tear down, to advance the kingdom of God and not hinder the, the kingdom of God. Our lips are to be speaking truth and not trash. They're to be speaking blessings and not curses. This is what is supposed to be coming from our mouths, church. I believe we need a spiritual mouth cleansing, church, because I believe there's quite a bit of unacceptable speech coming from even the house of God, among God's sons and among God's daughters. When I was young, just like I know some of you were, if I told a lie, if I talked back to my parents... If I said something that was unclean, if for some reason a curse word happened to come out of my lips, I got my mouth washed out with soap. And it didn't matter what kind of soap it was. It was either palm olive or dove or whatever else my mom or my dad could get their hands on. But I got my mouth washed out with soap. And I know some of you did too. Listen, I'm not telling you to go home to do it with your kids, but there's a generation today that needs their mouth washed out with soap. There's a generation of kids today that have no respect for their parents, no respect for God. They utter all kinds of garbage out of their mouth. And I'm not telling you to do it because you might get arrested, but there are some kids and teenagers that need their mouth washed out with soap. But but going beyond that, I believe with all of my heart that, that the church of God needs a spiritual mouth cleansing. We need a holy cleansing to come through our mouths, church. We need the fire of God to come down and clean that which is unclean. I believe with all of my heart that we need the coals of heaven to touch our lips like they touched Elijah's lips when he saw the Lord seated high upon the throne, the Bible says, in the year King Uzziah died. Elijah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the Bible says, he said, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. And what does the Bible say happened? An angel of the Lord came down with a coal and touched his lips and washed him clean. And from that moment forth, listen, from that moment forth, his mouth became an oracle for God. From that moment forth, his mouth carried the grace of God and the word of God and the power of God and the anointing of God. And the same thing must happen to us. We need the holy fire of God to come down and touch our lips and purify our lips and purify our speech so that we can be an oracle for the kingdom of God. This world needs grace. This world needs mercy. This world needs the love of God to be bestowed upon them. And it's going to come through your and my mouths. Listen, the Word of God says that we're not defiled by what goes into our mouth, but we're defiled by what comes out of our mouth. Jesus said that. Our marriages are defiled by the things that come out of our mouth when we speak like we shouldn't to our spouse. God forgive me when I do, because there are times that I do. But our marriage is defiled. Our family is defiled. Our workplace is defiled. Our, uh, our lives can be defiled. Our ministries can be defiled by the words that just come out of our mouth. Oops, I didn't mean that. You know, I, I, I recall, and I don't know, I don't want to take all the time, but that tennis, the, 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 the female tennis player that had that big tirade recently and began to curse out the judge. Um, can't remember what her name was, but anyway... She didn't even apologize at first afterwards. And then one of her comments was, that's not who I am. Yes, it is. Because the Bible tells you that from the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And whether we like it or not, 
When things come out of our mouth, it's because of what's hiding in our heart. It is who we are. And it's why we need to be cleansed. It's why we need to be made clean. It's why we need the fire of God to come down and touch our heart and touch our lips so that we can be a right reflection of the kingdom of God. Amen. It's time for us to clean up. I'm not going to continue on with some of the other things, but real quick, what we need to understand, church, our lips are not the only things that need to be cleaned up. We need to clean up our thoughts. We need to clean up the things that we look at. We need to clean up the things that we allow into our life. You know, the Bible tells us that, that the eye can let in evil. The eye talks about being the window to the soul. And our eyes, if we're looking at upon evil things, church, it lets evil into our soul. And it can corrupt our whole soul. It can make our whole being dark, the Bible says. We must guard what we allow ourselves to look at. David said, I will set no unclean thing before my eyes because he knew that it had the potential to defile his soul and corrupt his soul and kill his faith. I want you to understand that that a Christian has no business watching half of what's on TV today. There are shows out there that I know that we as Christians are watching that are part of like the worst family viewing channels that we could watch. Shows like American Dad, shows like Family Guy, shows like uh, Two and a Half Men, shows like Desperate Housewives, shows like shows filled with all sorts of garbage and trash, sexual promiscuity, all sorts of perversion. And we laugh and we giggle at it and it breaks the heart of God because we are allowing darkness into our life. Listen to me. There is something wrong in the soil of our soul when we laugh and giggle at the things Christ died for. There's something wrong in the soil of our soul when we laugh and giggle at the things that God calls unclean. And yet they have become a staple of the Christian household. Oh, it's just a show. Oh, it's just, it's make-believe. Oh, it's, it's just a movie. That's baloney. It's a tactic of the devil to corrupt your mind, to corrupt your life, to corrupt your marriage, and to tear you apart, and to cause you to be ineffective for the kingdom of God. He wants to sustain you so the power of God cannot fall upon you. So you can't find a seat at Christ's banqueting table. We must guard what we allow to come into our lives. We must evaluate. We must watch a show and, and be grieved by the Holy Spirit and say, I'm not watching that anymore. And I'm not, I'm not bragging on myself, but I've made it a part of my spiritual practice that if there is something that is that becomes a, a regular practice on a show, I'm turning it off. I'm not going to watch it. If there's an adulterous uh, relationship going on in a show, I don't care how good it is, how top rating is, I won't turn it on. If there's any kind of compromise like those things, we must stand up for what's right and say, God, I'm not going to set my eyes on that because when I open up that door, guess what you're opening up the door to? To the devil. And he's going to come in and he's going to rob you. And he's going to destroy you. And he's going to begin to just find ways into other areas of your life. Listen, we must clean up certain areas of our life. Some of us need to clean up our movie collection. Some of us need to clean up our... CD collection or our music collection. Some of us need to clean up some of the relationships that we've allowed to develop in our lives because we're unequally yoked. Because we've yoked ourselves to heathens instead of to Christ, instead of the, the Word of God that tells me that I'm supposed to live this way and not this way. We need to clean up certain areas of our life, church, so that the power of God can come down upon our life. How many of you are here tonight and say, God, I'm a candidate to be cleansed? God, I'm a candidate tonight to just uh, for you to examine me, for you to wash through me. Now, listen, before I even go there, I need to let you know, you're not going to do these things on your own. You can't do it on your own. It starts first with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the next thing that I want to read to you, it'll be my closing two verses. Ephesians 5:26 says that we are sanctified through the washing of the word. We are set apart for God's holy use through the washing of the word of God. David said in Psalm 119:9, how shall a young man keep his ways pure? By keeping it according to the word of God. Here's what I want you to understand. We are washed in the blood of the lamb. Our sins, which are scarlet, are made white as snow through the blood of the Lamb. But in order for us to stay pure, in order for us to stay holy, we need the Word of God washing through our life. This is the living water. This is, remember, Jesus was 
Jesus, you know, the word of God in the beginning was the word. The word was God and with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the living water. This is the living water. This is the cleansing water. And if you want to keep yourself clean, this has to flow through your life. If you want to keep your mind clean, this has to flow through your mind. If you want to keep your mouth clean, this has to flow from your mouth. If you want to keep your heart clean, you've got to hide His Word in your heart so that you won't sin against Him. If you want to keep your marriage clean and pure, this has to flow through your marriage. If you want to keep your sons and daughters clean, this has to flow into their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you want to keep your life clean, you've got to put yourself in the place where the Word of God can flow through your life so you can keep clean. You understand? Listen, you can't bleed the blood one time when you're eight years old and think it's going to keep you clean for the rest of your life. It doesn't work that way. This is the tool God has given us to flow through our life to keep our keep ourselves clean. If you don't have the word, you're going to struggle staying clean. Your mind won't stay clean. Your speech won't stay clean. Nothing about your life is going to stay clean if you do not hide the word of God in your heart so that you might not sin against them. But now, God, I know I thank you that I don't have to do this on my own. I need your help, but I'm committing tonight, God, to make myself a vessel to be cleaned by you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your blood and by the power of your word. God, I want you to clean me tonight. Just stand to your feet. And that's all we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. You're going to pray. You might know some areas in your life that need to be cleansed. You might know some areas in your your life that you need to let God come down and purify so that the, the glory of God can come down into your life. And so whatever that is, you make that known to God and then watch the glory of God fall. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. I apologize if I've tarried too long, but God, I just wanted to get these truths out so that our people understand that they don't have to do this on their own. I thank you, Father God, that you first gave us your son who was the propitiation for our sins, that His blood washed away all of our sins, that there's no sin that's too deep, no sin that's too dark, that the blood of Your Son can't wash away. But God, once we're washed in the blood, once we're cleansed in the blood, You call us to remain clean. You call us to remain pure. You call us to remain holy. And I thank You even then that You don't leave us on our own to do that. You've given us Your Word to wash through us. You've given us Your Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and to direct us into all truth. You've given us everything that we need, God, pertaining to life and righteousness and what we need to keep Keep on being clean. So, God, I pray like David did. Search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way within us this evening. Cleanse us, O God. Forgive us of every sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we might find a seat at your banqueting table. Help us, Father God, every time we come into your presence to realize That we are stepping into holy ground. To that place that is to be set apart for your holiness and your righteousness and your goodness, Father. Let us be careful when we come into your presence, God. Help us to separate ourselves from all the sins and the things of this world that would keep us from right standing with you. Whatever it might be, God, that needs to be cleansed, cleanse us. Make us white. Make us right. Renew a right spirit within us, Father God, so that we would receive your blessings and so that the glory of the Lord might descend upon our lives. We thank you for your word, God. Help us to wake up. Help us to shape up. Help us to run that race, O oh God, that you've set before us with endurance. Help us to exercise spiritual discipline. Keep that spirit of prayer upon our lips, O oh God. And help us to wash ourselves and cleanse ourselves daily. Like Paul said, I sanctify myself daily. And let us do the same exact thing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church, for His Word? Apologize if I rushed there at the end, but I know that we got some good truths from that. I pray that you walk in those truths and just let God continue to use you in the name of Jesus. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Be blessed and go clean up. Amen.